0: Hey everyone, this is Living for the Weeknight, and in today's episode we have Jess, who lives in Berlin and she's from San Francisco. So Jess is a full-time yoga instructor who is also part of a collective called About Blank, that's uh, Blank finishing with a Q rather than a K, and they run a series of events called Mix Up, which she's actually running by herself now in Berlin. It's a really cool event where DJs come and play at an event, uh, but they're playing back-to-back with mostly people they don't know and uh, which is a pretty cool premise I think and uh, in this episode Jess gives some pretty great tips about you know balance just life lessons in general and I'm sure you guys will love this episode and love Jess and if you haven't already please can you like follow and comment I hate saying that but it's really helpful if you could and uh, if you actually have any feedback about how I can improve I've linked my Instagram in the description so let's step into it So hey Jess, how's it going today?
1: It's going. I'm doing great. Um, Taught a little bit earlier today and the Berlin autumn is really starting to set in with some nice 10 degree weather. So busted out my puffy coat today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) 10 degrees. Is it like, has it been pretty hot before or is it like, or has it been cold, cold recently?
1: You know, like two days ago, it was like 22. So it was really odd.
0: Damn. Yeah, we had that in England last week. Like it was maybe, I don't know, like 24 and like very sunny, kind of felt like summer vibes. Uh, And then I woke up today and it was three degrees in the morning.
1: (laughs) I I expected to get cooler um, as well, but not looking forward to it, (laughs) especially because I know that the Berlin like autumns and winters can be pretty like cloudy and Dark and dreary, and just well, we'll say seasonal depression is a thing here.
0: (laughs) I've actually heard this from so many people, where they say, "Ah, Berlin's amazing in summer, but in winter, it's got like this heavy energy."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so unmotivated to do anything. Like when it's cold, when it's dark, and like there's not a whole lot of sunlight and and also when in, there is sunlight it like sunsets like at 4 5 p.m.
0: Well, welcome to Europe. <laughs> I think that's a good key to say thank you, thank you. for you to kind of like introduce <laughs> yourself and say where you're from and what is it you do.
1: Yeah. Um I am Jessica and uh I recently moved to Berlin um in December of 2022. Um, This was after I had made the decision earlier uh, last year to move to Europe, and the choice was between Barcelona and Berlin. I hadn't spent a whole, whole lot of time in Barcelona before, but I did like um, the weather there. It seemed pretty laid back, but I just wasn't super keen on learning a whole lot of Spanish, even though I grew up in Southern California um and was surrounded by that but I had studied German in college and um having visited Berlin a few times uh it seemed like a perfect intersection of music and yoga which there's a ton of here and um I'd lived in San Francisco for 12 years prior to that and just figured it was time for a change just mostly seeing um how San Francisco had really evolved into something really, really different, uh, especially after the pandemic and cost of living rising and things getting exorbitantly expensive and friends moving away and just like approaching mid 30s seemed to be like the time where a lot of people come to different intersections. And so I was like, well, if not now, when?
0: Uh, I, I totally understand you're kind of feeling that time for change you're, and you said to yourself I don't want this glorious weather of San Francisco as well now <laughs> it's also Time for the cold
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly so I, I clearly moved to Germany for the weather
0: <laughs> clearly clearly nothing else there's nothing else in Berlin uh, don't don't, Absolutely. Go, don't go people please don't go Absolutely. we don't need any more tourists yes. <laughs>
1: yes exactly exactly
0: no that's cool and you said there you mentioned music and yoga could you tell me a Mm -hmm. bit more about that
1: yeah so uh over the pandemic um I formed a collective called Blank Slate with some of my friends and um we started mostly as um hosting little pop-up raves out in the parks just because there's nothing else to do but social distance so we needed something to do safely Um, without getting, without, yeah, losing our minds. So we would drag our controller and like some had sound boxes So we would just set up there and yeah, started playing. And I had learned how to DJ through uh, my friends and, just basically taught myself through the university of YouTube (laughs) and being (laughs) gifted a a controller. Um, so yeah, we started getting, getting more uh, attraction through people coming to our little park raves. And then once things started opening up indoors, um, we threw our own parties at uh, the venues in San Francisco. And then from there we got connected with the promoters and bookers of the um, San Francisco music scene and then got to be support for some cool artists like uh, Aluna and Toku Monster, Conductor. Um, yeah. Things like that, which was really cool. And then I personally have been teaching yoga for the past six years. Um, I started I started that um, after becoming tired of being in tech. So I was working for Fitbit, um, which is now owned by Google. <laughs> and then I left Fitbit to uh, join another FinTech startup, which had a pretty successful Kickstarter, but um, ultimately it failed. And then I helped them wind down their operations. And that was a good um, segue to just leaving tech full and yeah, just full-time corporate office life um, for something with a little more flexibility like yoga. So switching from there, um, I took a part-time real job, retail job, (laughs) not real job, retail (laughs) job. A real job, tech's not real. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Total. <laughs> um, yeah, part-time retail job to uh, supplement teaching. And then uh, from there, I was able to leave that and then go into yoga full-time after two years.
0: Nice, nice. What well, Out of interest, what was the part-time retail job you were doing?
1: Uh, I was working for a company called Lululemon.
0: Uh, <laughs> they... <laughs> ah, yeah. We all know, even here yeah. in Europe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, they sell black stretchy yoga pants. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the ones that I so, to be really, really comfortable.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I shit on them a lot, but I I still I still buy their clothes, even though I'm no longer an employee, and I know all the ins and outs of the yoga, of the uh, lululemon black market. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a black which market. Which products for to lululemon? buy? Yes. Yes. There's a huge resale market and there's, there are like their whole business model is, um, releasing things like on a limited run with like certain colors that are only released, um, during certain seasons and certain styles only are around for a limited time. So that's their whole business model, like the illusion of scarcity. Um, so I still follow the Reddit threads and I'm in like buy, sell Facebook groups still and just kind of like observe what's happening. And it's it's insane. It's insane.
0: Is this like another like another side hustle you have? Are you also is this like another way to fund everything?
1: Uh, no, but, uh, I can, I can tell you like what's, what's real and what's fake and how to identify like when a product was made, what season it came out in and what the size is.
0: (laughs) And then you can ask for your 10% commission after.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, but honestly, honestly, they are... I think they're kind of doing pretty well in, like, the casual wear and stuff like that. Um, they've been exploring different materials and different styles outside of yoga. So, like, um, golf and high-intensity interval training, running. They, they partnered with APL for some shoes and then uh, started branching into their own design. So they also have a line of shoes out. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's a whole empire.
0: <laughs> but um but no that's that's cool that is and like you mentioned you got out of the corporate life um what what was it that made you want to leave the corporate life?
1: Yeah, I I didn't feel like I had a lot of autonomy and things had to be done a certain way and there wasn't any opportunity for like entrepreneurship and making individual decisions. Like it's it's um it was almost like I wasn't trusted to do things. Um and it was really it was really stifling. So going into something like yoga where I have the opportunity to do things creatively um in a way that I think is pretty informed but also fun is something that I really enjoy being able to do so yeah just just constantly being micromanaged was not was not for me yeah
0: kind of like that feeling where you you feel more like you're a cog in that system and you're replaceable rather than like say like autonomy to run with ideas or to really feel like you're influencing and making a difference
1: 100 percent. yeah absolutely and
0: absolutely. Uh, before and before you went full-time with yoga and even before where you were doing a part-time retail job to supplement your training in yoga um mm-hmm. when did you when did you get into yoga and like how did you get into it
1: Um, sometime during uh college, um, it was just a weird transitory period like, first time living away from home and like having to live with strangers in a dorm setting. Um, so first took a class there and like didn't really take it super seriously. Um, but then like needed to do some kind of activity, but then, um yeah, school school there was like such a such a shock and there were some things that were just not working well for me, so I ended up dropping out and um from there I struggled with uh depression and it was It was a really, really challenging time. So in between going to um, therapy and uh, psychiatry sessions, my doctor suggested doing something active and suggested something like yoga or Pilates or bar. And I was like, I don't want to do any of this. So while (laughs) I was at home... Yeah, while I was at home, I ended up going to some yoga classes and just kind of like, kind of was like, okay, I'll just do this for my stupid mental health. (laughs) And then, yeah, over time, it became something that I actually enjoyed. And then when I, um, when I finished, when I went back to school and then graduated and stayed in San Francisco, um, the office that I was working at had A studio open up right across the street so it kind of felt like this was like a sign to continue uh, practicing and yeah I was pretty religious about it going after work every day and sometimes on the weekends and then I connected with a teacher that I really liked there and then enrolled in teacher training and then from there decided to take the leap into becoming a teacher. And yeah, the rest is kind of history.
0: So so in the end, it did work for your uh, so-called stupid mental health?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say so.
0: It is really cool, though. It's something which, say, during a more low period of your life, you advise to do to help your mental health and here you are out of the corporate world living in Berlin and this is your profession now like could have you ever imagined like at the time when you were going to that first lesson that this is how things would have snowballed
1: no honestly no I I really um floored sometimes like this is the life I get to lead I get to do things on my own terms how I want to and do something that I actually genuinely enjoy and I feel so incredibly lucky to be in a city that I feel fosters a lot of creativity and a lot of freedom and sometimes I joke like I'll have I'll have people fill up uh like a 4 p.m class in it and he'll be like don't you people have jobs (laughs) but i'm the one i'm the one over here teaching that 4 p.m class but but it's but in all seriousness it's no i i would have never expected that and and i'm so grateful to be able to do uh, something creative and something that i think is also in in some ways like a therapeutic tool for some people um. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 something that I feel really, really lucky to be doing every day.
0: Yeah, and that's it's good, and it's a good uh, attitude you have there and mindset about it. Like gratefulness is a great thing. It's in the word, I guess, but it is. Yeah, that's a bad joke. I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. uh, but no, it's it's good, and I'm actually like uh, someone I had on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um a girl called Alice who lives in Barcelona, but always seems to be in Berlin. She actually said Mm -hmm. gratefulness is like a really good precursor to happiness. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's good. It's great. You feel great, grateful about this. And something I wanted to ask you was, so did you only start your training when you were working the retail job or did you start your training while you were working the tech job as well?
1: Um, both um so I did a basic training while I was working and then I did um a higher certification process while I was working my retail job so Lululemon actually helped pay for my advanced training which was really really cool that's awesome yeah
0: and when you were doing your training how did you find kind of balancing going through that while having your having your other jobs
1: Oh, my God, it was so incredibly tiring (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because I was I was going through that advanced training and I was working and I was teaching. So I was I was exhausted. And luckily, these the the training modules were only two weeks at a time. But these these modules were like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., something like that. So it was basically like a full time job Monday through Friday Um, For two weeks, which kind (laughs) of sucked. So, yeah, so I was taking like evening shifts and then also teaching. So I'd have to miss some of the some of the module. But I had I had other colleagues take notes and and stuff like that. So it was it was manageable. But I was like, all right, it's just two weeks out of my life. I can do this. Yeah. Sleep on the weekends. And yeah.
0: Just like driving, like driving yourself to push forward with it. Uh, just know it's like, this is my ticket out of the corporate world.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really proud of what I've done. Um, so basically in yoga, what, what you have to do is, um, get certified. So there's a basic 200 hour and then the advanced training is a 300 hour. So in total you have 500 hours, um, what I have done, I have done two two hundred hours, and then I've done two three hundred hours. Oh wow! But all from, all from different teachers. So um, this it's it's not it's not because I think that I'm better than everybody. But I wanted to be um, as well rounded and as well educated as possible. And I, I, I humbly say I think it shows because. When I, when I take, when I take other classes, I can, I think there's a pretty discernible difference.
0: It's, I think, I think it's good though to, like people, people say, like some people are like, oh, you shouldn't take credit for too much. It's arrogant, blah, blah, blah. And it's not true. I think there's, it's actually kind to yourself to acknowledge your achievements and to be happy about them. I think it's definitely a good thing that we should all do a bit more.
1: Totally. Totally. Sometimes it feels like bragging. But I mean, if you put in if you put in the time and the effort, um, I think I think it also speaks for itself too when um, people interact with you and are able to provide you feedback and things like that. So that's that's also some good validation.
0: Definitely, and given you've put so much into it, you give out so much as well to the people you instruct. It's not like you've not put much into it, and they do a class, and maybe it's not the best class. Um, you're giving you're giving them everything, and that's a good thing within itself too.
1: Right, right, and and I've learned over the years that I don't have to be everything to everybody, and I know that I'm only going to appeal to a select few people and that's okay and whenever i teach it's not really about me it's about the students and like the things that they want to extrapolate from it and i'm offering what i can offer and will continue to do that as long as i continue to teach
0: do you ever with the people you teach do you ever kind of get to find out or an insight into what it is they want from yoga?
1: Some people will tell me that they are coming to, like, de-stress. Um, it's something that breaks up their day. Um, some people are coming to do something just because they've recently recovered from an injury and want to do something that's low impact. Um For a variety of reasons, people come to practice and sometimes it's not super apparent. And sometimes I also just feel like, I I guess like this unspoken energy, like, like this, this, I, I mean, recently with like this week, it's, it's felt very, um, Almost, almost like heavy in a way, just because of what has been happening um, around the world, especially with uh, what's going on with Israel and uh, Gaza. And I think some people are, yeah, like it's, it's almost like um, like a way to escape from the real world for a little bit. (laughs) And then they're able to, they're able to, I guess reset before having to deal with reality again so being able to provide a space like that and and the opportunity to to do that I think is also really valuable even if that's not what I am purposely setting out to do
0: yeah and it's so true it's like the difference that can make to someone's mental health having that space like objectively people might think it's only an hour a day or whatever but an hour a day to get away from say, like, these swirling thoughts or any negative headspace, it can go just such a long way in the development of one's mental health and one's happiness.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah.
0: And I find it cool because, so, like, you're in tech, you're in retail as well, you trained to be a yoga teacher, but then also at the start of the episode, you said you're in a collective and you're organising events in the park in COVID times mm-hmm. and... Like, tell me, like, so did that start out of, like, just wanting something to do or wanting to boost your mental health? Uh, Talk to me about it a little bit.
1: Yeah, actually, it happened because people kept seeing us around. And um, I guess we like to say that our backstory was somebody approached um, one of our members at the park and was like, oh, so what's your collective called? And then he got us all together in a group chat and was like, yeah, so what are we called? And we were like, oh, good question. So then, so then I had the name Blank Slate was formed and it was just kind of like, uh, on the, the theme of, you know, starting from like scratch and being able to do whatever it is that we wanted to do with whatever creative impetus, uh, was that was driving us in that moment, and being able to just like scrap everything and do it all over again over and over and over again, so that's what we named ourselves and then from there yeah the the trajectory from there was just upwards and then um this event series that we started doing pretty frequently came from one of our members Casper because his university actually had a DJ program and the instructor there would make them practice by doing these B2Bs where you would do like ones or twos and you would just have to commit to a transition or like if you fucked up like how do you save it and um we wanted to we wanted to turn that into something like gamify it in a way because that's what we would do anyway when we were hanging out like we would just hang out at somebody's house that had a controller and like I don't know we would have our conversations or whatever and then somebody would go up on the decks and like play a song or two and then it would just revolve over and over amongst like the five six seven of us that were there and yeah, we ended up calling that the mix-up and did that about eight times and then I left here for Berlin and then um, pioneered that out here on my own and I just threw the fourth one um, a couple weeks ago. That's awesome.
0: And so I'm going to ask you more about that and your and and uh, the eventual throwing in Berlin in a little bit, but I wanted to ask a few questions first. Um, firstly, sure. I should establish, uh, I, everyone's going to know this, but I don't know why I'm establishing it, but b 2 is a back-to-backs, just in case yeah. there's one listener who doesn't know. Um, For sure. Uh, but I, uh, when you said gamify it, could you kind of expand a bit about what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, just kind of making it into something that's fun, that has um, the opportunity to not be something so serious. Um, And the we've, we've played with um, pairing up people in two ways. One is self-selection. So people will sign themselves up within a slot. And then the second way is where we ask them for their genre and BPM preferences, and then we pair them up. So generally, people don't know each other. Sometimes they do, but it's not super often. But the whole premise is that people likely don't know each other. They have to go B2B and you just see what happens from there. And it ends up being super, super fun because DJs tend to be pretty insular and they hang out with their own crews and they don't really they don't really talk to other crews or like cross-pollinate unless somebody, somebody reaches out. I mean, you know how it is with, you know how it is with friends. It's, it's the same thing. Like people don't really hang out with other people outside of their own friend groups. So it was, it was that same concept of being able to, um, allow people to network with each other and like get inspired by different genres and different musics and and different music genres and uh, get introduced to artists and tracks and producers that they might not be familiar with and yeah we we thought that that was a great way to um introduce introduce that kind of randomness into it to have that gamified angle
0: no that's that's cool that is and like I imagine then, because of the way it's set out, you get, I imagine, quite a lot of beginner DJs or people who are up and coming.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, People who've never played on club equipment or in front of people uh, in a club setting. This is the perfect opportunity to be able to do that. And um, you also just don't get taught the... I'll call it like the soft skills of DJing because when you're like bedroom DJing to yourself or like to a live stream, you don't really, you don't have to interact with other people and nobody really teaches you how to hand off the decks to somebody else. Um, Like when do you, when, when is it appropriate to come up to the decks if you're going to take them over, like just, just little things like that. You kind of have to learn on the fly um, unless you, yeah, unless you happen to DJ pretty often.
0: Yeah, I can imagine like there's so much to it. If you haven't played somewhere, you're not going to know. Like I, I remember seeing today or like yesterday. So for context, Jess and I know each other. Well, we know each other because we I don't want to say it; it always sounds so weird. But I've already said it on the <laughs> podcast before. We met each other because we met at Burkheim uh, Yes, I've said it. I know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but but also it's because we're part of like the same WhatsApp group for Keep Hush. For those who know, yes. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. Is that group secretive? Have I blown a
1: secret? No, no, I don't think so.
0: I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. And um, for those who don't know, who Keep Hush are, Keep Hush are, I guess like in like represented the underground music scene and kind of bringing events uh kind of where they have like i don't know a like kind of that togetherness and like nice atmosphere like within music like a good space to be and they're not really just showcasing one type of music it's like many different types and also like events where you can hear different genres um like i heard about them for the first time i think like 2017 or 2018 because mm-hmm. i saw i saw a mix online of alex perez at one of their events and i think yeah. he actually went on to play like three events for them which I, which I thought was really cool and he's he's killing it at the moment like really really killing yeah. it
1: absolutely um, how,
0: how did you find out about keep push actually
1: mm, good question uh I think a couple years ago, just because they were like boiler room adjacent, but um, not boiler room. Yeah. And a little more involved, a little more involved in like the UK underground scene.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like the amount of DJs I've heard, I've heard through them who I never knew before, because they definitely they're really good at showcasing like talent. And it doesn't have to be someone who's big in a small circle or big it can be like a dj who has i don't know less than a thousand followers on instagram but if the thing i like with the events and the djs and producers they showcase is it's, it always feels like keep us are looking for quality they don't really care about following so much it's all about keeping mm-hmm. that co- that quality there and keeping like the people in the spaces who go to the events like people who really want to be there for the music
1: oh yeah yeah definitely yeah, I would say so.
0: I guess I gave Keep Hush a free plug there. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. not I'm, <laughs> I'm not paid by them, I promise you, but like <laughs> the, like uh to the audience, like if you have the chance, check out their events, check out like the mixes they have online, um, they're super cool, they are, and they have a lot of good there's a lot there's a lot of good like DJ sets out um yeah. on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um Yeah. So I asked you that question because I was gonna ask you something else, but I can't my mind's gone blank so i don't remember what that was uh what that was going to lead into um, but stories <laughs> no stories no uh, but with the with the back, with the back to back events um you yeah. must have like some pretty good stories of i don't know interesting things you've seen at these events because i couldn't imagine going to play back to back with someone i don't know um have you got any like good stories from events you've uh, hosted
1: um, most recently, we were in a different venue, um, and it was the first time playing on an Allen Heath mixer for a lot of people. So there are a lot of like little technical flubs and people pulling out the wrong uh, wrong USB. That's
0: why I mentioned Keep Hush because I was going to say on the on the page. I was going to actually mention that when you were talking about certain skills new DJs don't know. I remember someone posting yeah. about knowing which USB to to remove. So I'm glad you up really my memory about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was to be fair, it was like some cognitive dissonance because because there would be uh, this. So there's that link feature between the CDJs. Like one USB would be on the opposite. CDJ that was playing the track. So yeah, there were a few times, there were a few times the wrong, the wrong USB was ejected, but now, now, now people know. And yeah, just also the, um, the mixer wasn't super familiar uh, with a lot of people, myself included, because I'm very, very used to uh, pioneer gear because, Alan Heath doesn't exist in the U.S., um, but it's really, really popular over here um, in Europe, especially because it's both an analog and digital uh, mixer.
0: Yeah. And, like, with your... So with the events you're running now in Berlin, um, is there anyone else from the collective who are running, who's running it with you, or are you putting it on yourself right now?
1: It is. By myself, I do get help from my friend Gerald um, who was also one of the collective co-founders and he helps with like bouncing some ideas and also the artwork.
0: Nice, nice. Um, what's the name? Is it going by the same name in Berlin or a different yep. name? Nice. Yeah,
1: I I'm just calling it uh, mix up Berlin, volume one, two, three, four, five, whatever.
0: Sweet. And I'm actually interested more like in the process of how was it because given you know it was up and running back in San Francisco, what was it like mm-hmm. started starting it up from Berlin in scratch like in terms of you know finding the space, advertising it, getting people to come, getting DJs to come. Like what was that? Oh like? my
1: god, it was it was challenging because. I had recently moved. I didn't know anybody. I resorted to Reddit for the first one. (laughs) And even then, even then I still had problems like finding and sourcing DJs. But what I had actually done was I went to this DJ workshop um, at the local radio station here called Refuge Radio. And I ended up reaching out to one of the co-founders. And pitched him the mix up because he was initially I'd asked like if I could do a DJ set there and he's like, "Eh, I'm not looking for more DJ sets, but if you can pitch me something unique, then we'll see. And then I was like, wait, I have this idea. So um, transposing that to live radio was fun But it just wasn't the space to do it um, because you can't really hang out with people in the booth. And then if those DJs bring their friends, like there's only a really small space in front of the booth, uh, which also served as a wine bar. But it was it was great experience for a lot of people who'd never played on like proper studio or club gear. And then also the added... um, The added bonus of being on live radio was also appealing, but, um, the lineup was, was mostly men, which wasn't super great. And, um, yeah, just the, just the space that Refuge had wasn't super conducive to, to networking and like hanging out, which is another added benefit of having the mix up event in general. So, yeah, I learned I learned a lot from that first iteration. And then for the second one, I ended up moving it to another private space, but it didn't have any gear. So I had to uh, borrow a controller from a friend and then Refuge asked us back. So I was (laughs) like, you know what? It's fine. Like, I'll just do this another time there and have fun with that. And. And yeah, and then going to another workshop at Refuge was how I got connected with the booker at um, this club here called Tuklappe. And it's over um, in Kreuzburg on Merring, yeah, Merring, Jörgstrasse, Merringdam, that area. And it's literally underground. And it was a former uh, former bathroom, <laughs> And the space is super cute. It's it's really nice and it's like got space for hanging out and uh also DJing and yeah, the the first time there was really fun, so the next one will be November second, which I'm really looking forward to. And I think I'm gonna switch it up.
0: Yeah. I was just gonna say sorry, a former bathroom that just reminds me of Hall. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> oh I mean, yeah. Huh. Huh.
1: Yeah, huh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's her, uh, yeah. That sound, it just reminded me of her, <laughs> if that's what you
1: sounded. Yeah. Sound
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. But, no, but no, sorry, continue. I interrupted you. You, uh, um, you were talking about the next event.
1: Yeah. The next event, I think I'm going to do like a Halloween angle, like trick or treating style, where it's completely randomized, where I'll take people um, who want to play and just run their names through a random selector and then pair people up that way but before I was having people sign up through a form and inputting their BPM genre style preferences and pairing them up that way um, as best as I could and yeah it happened to work out pretty well so this time I'm just gonna throw it out the throw it out the door and hope for the best (laughs) and yeah take this Halloween angle so we'll see.
0: It's part of the learning experience so like you never know unless you unless you try and it's always it's always worth trying it's always worth doing different things like what you do i've never heard of anyone else doing before and i can imagine there can be two djs whose styles they wouldn't expect to go well together but it does and it's something yeah. different and they and those two djs have a great time together as well and maybe For even sure. they build links and build collaborations especially if you're an up-and-coming mm-hmm. uh, dj or producer it's it's probably very beneficial for them not only to be you know learning and practicing and getting on stage, but also making their own links within the community.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I w- yeah I would agree.
0: And uh, I guess given if like the events are going well now, I guess it meant like from going on the radio station, probably got some pretty good reach. You met the promoter as well, which always helps. And um, so like right now, like what's the capacity of the venue you're playing?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I think the last event we had like one hundred and fifty people through the course of the night, and I think easily Damn. it could fit. It could fit somewhere around like two hundred ish, but probably no more than that.
0: Nice, nice. And like uh, right now, are you just like promoting through social media?
1: Social media, resident advisor, word of mouth. And um, there's a WhatsApp community that I've created, and. There have been some people that have gone through all four and they're always super stoked about it and I try to include at least one or two of them in each one because they're like the spokespeople <laughs> for this event, and I really appreciate their enthusiasm uh, for it no, kind of, yeah
0: yeah it sounds like um it sounds like you're just also like building a community as well then um, that's the goal like the, yeah, awesome. did you take like any inspiration from Keep Hush?
1: Yeah, actually, like the, I, I learned over in Europe, WhatsApp is way more useful than something like Facebook or Instagram, like to have a yeah. group chat or like community with. Also Telegram too, but um, ultimately I decided on WhatsApp just because you can create like different subgroups from that. Um, yeah, like but yeah. with it. Yeah, the yeah. Keep Hush chat. <laughs> the Keep Hush chat has like the tickets group and then the self promo group. So I'm not sure if I've
0: seen you self promo.
1: Yeah, there is a there is a self promo group. Oh no, like I've seen
0: you, the group. Uh, yeah, I put my podcast on it. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't put anything there yet. Just because it seems like the Keep Hush community is mostly centralized in London, UK, that area. Yeah. But we do have we do have a little cohort over here in Berlin, so there are four of us.
0: Yeah, and also Keep Us do put on some Berlin events. I think they've they done do two this year now. Yeah. Um, that their, their event with um, I don't know if you've listened to any of the sets, but their event with the people from Femme Base Mafia was really good. Like, yeah. Really good sets there. Yeah. Like. Um. But enough about Keep Hush. This can't be a Keep Hush plug podcast. Yeah. Um, even if, <laughs> thank, you, even Hush.
1: thank you, Keep Hush.
0: Thank you, Keep Hush. Thank you for all my listeners who have come to me from South promo page. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but have you ever have you ever DJed yourself at the event she run? I,
1: yes, yeah. Sometimes people flake, um, things come up, so I'll have to step in last minute. And then um, I obviously put myself in the first ever won because i also wanted to be a part of it somehow so I, yeah. put, I put myself in there and then yeah yeah do
0: you ever get do you ever get recognized on the street now as uh <laughs> as we as being the uh you know the the, the head honcho and organizer no. of
1: this <laughs> no <laughs> but uh, d- that's not the goal
0: where speaking of goals then where do you want to go with this and also maybe like more broadly within music in general
1: um i for myself like i'm not really interested in like doing anything super crazy like i think i've already hit the peak of my dj career i was able to open for Overmono in april and that was really really cool so i'm i'm good on that (laughs) Um, if I get the opportunity to play here, that's fabulous, but I'm not necessarily seeking it out. So yeah, for me personally, like my DJ career thing is like not really even a career. (laughs) Um, with respect to the mix up events, I want to keep doing them. Um, I think it might come to a point where I'm going to need some help. (laughs) um in in doing this maybe more frequently so right now I have a monthly cadence so maybe twice a month if if necessary especially if I want to have like a more beginner leaning mix up and then like a more intermediate leaning mix up and down the line I definitely want to run some workshops uh too so stuff for like how to throw your own parties and like how to get books for gigs and like intermediate DJ techniques and how to, I don't know how to like not give into all the like, uh, I don't know, music industry bullshit <laughs> as a female. Cause there's a lot of it. <laughs> so stuff like that.
0: What's, What's the biggest bullshit you've experienced as being a female in the industry? Given it is, it is a very male-oriented industry, and I know everyone says Berlin's very diverse, but it's still male-oriented there, from what I saw.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of, at least from what I've experienced, not necessarily here, just because I haven't really, uh, I haven't played at clubs here, but just people not taking you seriously. And not, um, not understanding things that might be a little more specific, specific to non-males, women, females, femme identifying people in general and not getting, yeah, not, just not getting the same opportunities, not, yeah, not getting taken seriously, like, oh, you produce, that's cute, like, that kind of stuff, like, being talked down. Oh, God being talked down to, um, it's really, really irritating. It's, it's really frustrating. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. It's that way because some, some male egos can't, can't make space for other people.
0: Yeah, when people blame their own uh, shortcomings on, oh, it's not my fault. It's the industry is catering to more women now. I've heard that so much, and it's just like, nah, you just really? get good. <laughs> like, yeah, that's where people.
1: That's some bullshit. when people play
0: when people play the card of, oh, they're just trying to be more inclusive of non-white males, and I'm like just fucking just get better like yeah just master your master your master your craft do like have have fun with it be happy yeah be happy with what you're doing don't just go and blame it on other people (laughs) like absolutely um but no but no that's cool and i also i also wanted to like ask um hats what's the impact then since moving to berlin being a full-time yoga instructor and running these events what's it been on your mental health and happiness
1: I'm not going to lie, it's been kind of tough, like, not knowing a whole, not knowing a lot of people, and basically just pressing a reset button. I was definitely stressed and super anxious um, the first couple of months that I was here. And I still feel that way from time to time, like, I think um, I'm probably going to lose like a higher paying client come next year and one of my one of my private clients is gone for the winter so I mean there's less income that way and things just always fluctuate and it's really hard to predict so that's that's kind of always a background stressor but I think I always I always hang back on the feeling that I know things will work out and if there's ever something that um, I don't feel like I can handle in the moment, then I just leave it for later. I don't have to do everything all at once. And it's always important to rest. And I always forget to tell myself that. <laughs> and I have to force myself to like take time off and say no to certain things and... Somebody who as somebody who always wants to be doing something all the time, moving here has been so nice because i I get that reinforcement that rest is super valuable and things can wait i don't know, I don't necessarily have to respond to that email or that text message right away
0: yeah i it's a good bit of advice that is because so many times when you feel overwhelmed and you have a million things to do. Your instant thought is to try and solve them all, all mm-hmm. at the same time, all at once. But you're right. Things things can wait. Things mm-hmm. don't have to be done in the moment. And yeah. I imagine, like, ch- change and fluctuation can be scary. But yeah. equally, it's like... Because I'm very similar to you. I like to do stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, like, I can't sit still. I always like to be having plans or progressing with something. Um,
1: yeah. I learned it from it- my dad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know who I learned it from. Like uh, society, <laughs> someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, uh, but yeah, it's it's nice that you have the mindset though, that things will work out. And it sounds like things have been working out for you so far. Like you moved to Berlin, you you had your collective back home. You were running the events back home, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, it's like in Berlin, it it worked out. You managed. You wanted to bring it to Berlin, and you did. So I'm sure it's gonna work out for you. Like, yeah, I yeah. I have faith in you.
1: Thanks, thanks. I mean, I think like I wanted something to happen, and I found a way to make it happen, and I'm really happy at how it's turned out. And yeah, I'm I'm really really hel- I'm really thankful for the strangers who are now friends who have helped me to get to where I am here. Because doing something completely from scratch in a place that is pretty new to you by yourself is fucking hard. And yeah, having having the help having the help that I've gotten so far has been immensely yeah, I've been so immensely grateful.
0: That's awesome. You so right with that, given like you'd be for a new country. And I know I know everyone in Germany speaks English, but whatever. You move to a new country where like English isn't the first language. Mm-hmm. There's a culture difference. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's like it's not easy. Um, and so like given given you've you've went through it in the most extreme way of doing it of doing everything like that, which is cool. I like it. Do, do you have like then like tips tips for balance to people like like anything you've learned from the process?
1: Asking for help, like asking for help, I used to think was, I don't know, like a sign of weakness, but asking for help is not, (laughs) it's, it's really helpful. And most of the time people are definitely willing to provide it. And if they can't, they'll probably direct you to somebody else who can. And yeah, it's, it's always, it's always really nice to see how people come together to, um, yeah, provide assistance where they can. And sometimes somebody might know somebody and being able to form that connection with that person turns into something really cool. So, um, I used to not want to ask for help and I used to not, like want to be a burden on other people and that's where a lot of my anxiety came from um when I was younger which like high periods of anxiety had nowhere to go so then that's how I entered into periods of depression and now I know better to to recognize like okay I'm experiencing this high this high point of anxiety what can I do to like center myself and, um, yeah, find some, find some evenness or find some levelness just so I don't feel all this frenetic energy. So being able to recognize those points and like taking a step back, whether it's like saying no to something or like, Hey, can we postpone this to another time? Or yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think I can do this right now, but I can do it at a different time like setting those boundaries for myself so I can one, stay sane to like remain accountable to what I say that I'll do, um, just helps me keep everything in a, in a much more manageable as, as stress free as possible. So yeah, I think, I think being able to ask for help and just, just personally recognizing different like trigger points and like anxiety points um has been really really helpful
0: that's very good advice like yeah like just just knowing what it is that you can do is so important and i think just even being able to recognize it is a very important first like good step with it um especially when it comes to trigger points like i've read a book called uh, i'm not sure if you've heard of it it's called uh, live more think less um no. it's uh, it's by a Danish um, psychologist who um, specializes in meta- metacognitive therapy mm-hmm. and it kind of talk it talks about depression in a way where it's it's to do with like how often you're ruminating with your negative thoughts and kind of like teaches you look we all have negative thoughts and it's cut sometimes what can kind of influence you is how. You deal with them and how you mm-hmm. give consciousness to them and it was kind of like the study showed with it the more time you spent per day rumorating with these thoughts the more likely it was going to lead to like sleep deprivation or being tired all the time or totally. things which can add to causing symptoms of depression or depression Absolutely. and it actually really talked about uh, identifying trigger points and recognizing when something might send you into kind of like that spiral of rumoration yeah um so- yeah, super good book. Really, really fast to read as well. Um, nice. I, li- I liked it a lot. I found it very helpful. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, so like one final thing I wanted to touch on as well was I actually realized um, you haven't mentioned it, but you also run a blog.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. It's not. It's not really. <laughs> it's not really a blog. Um, I write stuff occasionally on there, but yeah, most recently I republish something that i had written three years ago um just about yoga and how it's intertwined with social justice so if uh, you want to give see. that a read <laughs> it's on my Substack. stack <laughs> but fast, yeah fast. I, I have this whole long i have this whole long um blog of recommendations for berlin so if you want to check that out that's also on there
0: Damn, I'll um, I'll definitely tag that all in on the Instagram and Spotify post. Uh get that all in, give you all your promos. <laughs> <laughs> um one thing that I actually remembered I wanted to ask before as well was mm. you gave me your direction of what you want the events to be and what you want it to represent. But if you ever had the if you ever had the opportunity to do something like introducing it to a festival or in that kind of setting would you run with it?
1: Oh my god. I actually did try to pitch this to um Boiler Room's Broadcast Lab, which is like their indie the arm of like experimental stuff. But I haven't heard from them, so we'll see. But the answer is yes. I would love to see this like in a um yeah, different capacity in front of a larger audience and see what happens there, especially with People who are definitely more up and coming, who I think would benefit and also deserve um, the recognition of being in a place that is exposed to a wider audience. So, yeah, having that like random, but probably pre-selected random <laughs> B2B uh, opportunity, I would absolutely 100% love to see that.
0: Yeah, because it's a different challenge. Like if you're catering to a bigger audience rather than, say, your current community. um, I was just imagining as well, like the process of creating to like an event where you have more new people. Maybe people have gone to the event and don't know the history Mm -hmm. um, or weren't in the community. It's a different challenge. It is. It is like. um... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't even know where to begin. But um, I I think eventually I'd figure it out. (laughs) Just like I always do. So. Yeah. Like you always do, um, yeah, but yeah. If anybody you know hears this, <laughs> talk to me. Come talk to me.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is a good point to wrap. Then and I'll I'll let you do your plugging. But it was great to have you on. Do you yeah. know? Do you have anything to plug? Um, you can plug everything. And if you forget anything, I'll include <laughs> it on my intro when I record that.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, if anybody is interested in practicing and is visiting Berlin or is in Berlin. I teach at Yoga Futura uh, four times a week, Tuesday mornings, Wednesday evenings, and Sunday afternoon and evening. Um, I teach a vinyasa practice, a slow flow, and a restorative. So that's where you can find me for yoga. Um, For the mix-up, doing it once a month, the next event is on the 2nd of November at Teclaapa from 7:30 PM to 1:30 AM. I'm opening signups soon, and we'll be announcing uh, the event soon. But you're hearing it here first. Um,
0: nice, this is exclusive.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've yeah, other other than that, <laughs> other than that, I hope to do this um, every month. So December will probably be like a Christmas winter break hiatus and then start again in the new year
0: that's awesome and all you keep hush people who are going to reef which i think is on the third
1: the 10th support jess the day before oh,
0: was it was at the 10th
1: it oh. is the 10th <laughs> okay. of november i'll be there
0: yeah go say hi to jess there as well yes. i wish i i wish i was coming yes. <laughs> last reef was so good
1: it was so good
0: but no that's cool and i'll like um i will add, i'll add all of that stuff to instagram um was there anything else you wanted to plug as well while we're at it?
1: No, <laughs> was that's like, oh. it. That's it. Thank you so much.
0: No, it's been great to have you on. Take care.